Hey, everyone. Welcome to our February episode of the Tension Podcast. We're a show that acknowledges most of life and faith is lived in the tension between the two extremes. Each episode, we look at what many of us were taught growing up in evangelical churches. We weigh it against what our current culture is saying, and then we try to find what Jesus has for us in the tension between the two. We have met. My name is Jonathan Curl, and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. February, man. I was just saying to somebody, is like, how is it like the second week of February already? It it feels cliche, but this this year is just already going by so fast. Yeah, January took forever, and then February is almost done. It's the way it works every single year, and we're surprised by it somehow each and every year. But hey, if you're new with us, uh, we're in between seasons right now. Uh, if someone shared this episode with you, uh, thanks for listening. But we are between seasons. Normally, we operate in kind of an eight-week-on, eight-week-off calendar, but life's a bit nuts for us right now. So we're taking some time off between our normal schedule of our normal seasons and instead, we're doing monthly bonus episodes. We'll get to those that normal eight-week season here in a few months, hopefully. Lord willing, and the creep don't rise, we'll get back to a normal routine. But uh, before we get into today's episode, if you like the show, please leave us a rating wherever you listen or watch. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it'd be a huge help if you were up a small review there. It's been a while since we've had any new ones, so we'd appreciate that. The fun part, I think at least, for us doing these bonus episodes is we get to be a little more timely and talk about current events as they're happening instead of, oh, hey, this thing happened. We're not recording for six weeks, but we can put it in there and then it'll come out six weeks after that. And we're behind by 12 weeks. But if you've paid attention to the news at all recently, you know that here in America, there is a crisis at our southern border. And if you're paying attention to the title of the episode you clicked today, we're going to talk about how Christians should approach that border crisis here in uh, uh, the United States. So if you're one of our listeners outside of the U.S., like our friend Yuhan down in Australia, this one might not connect you as well, but hopefully the bigger themes will apply to you wherever you live across the world. Well, uh, you know, I think the other aspect is like if you're sitting here in uh, middle America and you're in South Dakota or Iowa or, you know, right there where you're nowhere close to the border in a landlocked state, um, maybe you should take the same approach as somebody living in Australia because how much does it really bother you? <laughs> hey, Eric, where do you live? I live. If you're watching, if you're one of the dozens that watch us on uh, YouTube, I live right here in the state of New Mexico. Number one in our hearts, number 49 in education, baby. Oh, yeah. What is at the southern border of where you live? Well, as the name would imply, uh, New Mexico <laughs> is uh, really close to actual Mexico. Um, so we are, we are uh, the flyover state between California, Arizona, and Texas. So that's... Uh, that's where that's where we are uh, across the southern border. You've got the border states, which, it, it, you know, whenever we talk about it, politics wise, it's always the southern border when we talk about immigration, southern border, southern border, even though Canada is the long the largest like that border with Canada is the largest unguarded border in history. And if you watch any like true crime murder documentaries or podcasts and stuff, you always got the one guy from like the Pacific Northwest. It's like, oh, he just escaped into Canada and walked across the ditch that's there and just never found again. You know, it's like, Oh, all right, cool. But anyway, Southern border, we got California, we got Arizona, New Mexico, which everybody forgets about and sleeps on. And then Texas. So you don't have any opinions on today's episode whatsoever. 
I mean, I've got tons of opinions it's, on it. It's everything. not culturally relevant for you. You're not experiencing this in your everyday life at all, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, compared to those of you with the privilege that you have in, I don't know, like North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, yeah, eh, maybe maybe I'm just a little bit closer to the issue than uh, than some of those states. Our border is the ocean. Yeah, right. So we don't exactly. have to worry about people coming across our border yeah. over here. Um, one thing I do want to tell you guys, if you're listening, um, this is another political episode, but we're we're not going to do every episode political from out. We're not like switching to a political show. It just so happens this is what's going on in the world right now. In our season that we have planned out next, there's not a single political episode there. So just wanted to give that disclaimer there that we're, we're not pivoting to all politics it's just that's kind of what's been going on in the world around us right now. Well, and honestly, that's the questions that we get from a lot of people is like, how do I rectify my beliefs with the things that are policy and politics that are happening? And so, you know, in the same way as when we started off talking about youth group measures and how we grew up with some of these things and now we have to live with them as adults. It's like I'm being taught this or I read this. But when I hear what's happening on the news or in the media or what's going on. Like, how do I, how do I react to it? So it's uh, it may seem political, but that that's really because it's, it's like, how, how do I function as a Christian in a very political sphere, which we have right now. And we're not actually going to talk immigration policy today, because if you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know that we believe that Christians can read the same Bible and apply that to government in different ways. So we're not about to tell you how you should approach this from a policy standpoint in terms of the laws that are created. Instead, I think the tension we face comes in balancing policy, rhetoric, and care for people. Because those are three different things, but they're they are tied very closely together. And unfortunately, in our culture, Christians are known more for their rhetoric than it is their care for people or their policy. So we on the front, we're not going to tell you how you should vote. We're not going to tell you what you should believe on. Should amnesty be granted or should citizenship or any, we're not getting into that. That's a different show, a different day. We can have those conversations offline and we can give you our opinions, but we're not going to share that with you right now because that's not the point of our show. And real quick, let me just say the why, you know what I mean? Because like when I interact with some people, they're, they're very much like, oh, well, this matters and we got to this and we, we got to think about it on this level. And, but in reality, yes, we were told in our, you know, 12th grade civics classes or government classes or whatever, it's like your vote and your voice matters. It does. But that being said, your individual voice and vote does not have as much of an impact on policy as you think it does. And you have a much bigger impact on your neighbor that's right next to you and that individual person. So for me, it's a big separation between policy and people. And we can talk policy all day long, but the biggest thing that I have control over is how I'm going to interact with people. You can vote one way and you can advocate and you can call and leave messages for your senator or you know call the border state senators and leave messages for them and whatever. But the reality is for everyone listening, you have a much greater impact with the person that's involved in this situation, not necessarily the policy. 100%. And here is the harsh reality of the situation. 
most Christians do not view immigration through the lens of our faith. There was a LifeWay research poll that found that just 12% of evangelicals cited the Bible as the primary influencer of their thinking about immigration. Oof. The ELRC, which is the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, says, quote, when it comes to the top factor that informs their views on the topic, more evangelicals cited the media than the Bible, their local church, and national Christian leaders combined. Mm. Let me say uh, that again. More evangelicals cited the media than the Bible, mm. their local church, and national Christian leaders combined, combined. for how they view immigration. Yeah. Uh, and similar to the, the asking me about where I live, like I don't have as much interaction with the Southern Baptist convention. Um, is that, I mean, uh, fill me in here, Jonathan, would you say that they're kind of like fast and loose with their teaching on whether or not you should uh, allow the Bible to influence your thinking? Uh, no. Okay. All right. I mean, they're, they are a conservative denomination. They're the uh, largest Christian denomination in America. And so the, the fact that this conservative theologically and politically and behaviorally uh -huh. denomination will point out that only 12% of evangelicals cited the Bible as their primary influence and that more people in their churches are informed by the media than anything else. Like that says something. It's not a liberal group coming out and saying it. This is as conservative as conservative gets is pointing that fact out. Yeah. And what I found interesting was I went on, you know, the other side on, on Lifeway and I was looking at some of these things when we're talking about what we can actually do with the people involved in immigration, less than half of evangelical Christians see immigration as an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. Like the, the whole piece of like, Oh, there's more people coming in that may or may not know Jesus. If you are like super attuned to, uh, you know, evangelism and sharing your faith, you're like, this is great. This is someone that now I can share my faith to, which is one of, I don't know, maybe, you know, I mean, I definitely say it's on the Mount Rushmore of things that we're supposed to do as Christians. Um, <laughs> and then uh, what's, what's, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it's like still less than half of Christians see the arrival of immigrants as an opportunity to show them love, which love one another. I mean, again, just thinking it's probably on your Mount Rushmore of things that you're called to do as a Christian. So like share your faith, introduce people to Jesus and love one another. And yet less than half of Christians see immigration as this opportunity. Um, and then this was probably the like, I mean, I'm glad that it's more than half, but 58% of Christians say that they should assist immigrants, even if they are here illegally. And it's like, oh man. Uh, that's not quite on the on the Mount Rushmore, but there are definitely lots of Bible verses that uh, inform how we are supposed to treat our neighbor, how we're supposed to treat the immigrant, how we're supposed to treat foreigners and things like that. And of course, I know Bible bro, Theo bro in the background is like, yeah, but context for this and that and the other. It's like, hey, wait a minute. If you're not taking context into account in other cases where we've talked about in the history, this is not the time to cherry pick or uh, gerrymander your uh, contextual um, argument here. So I'm just putting out the, the, the survey results of where American evangelical Christians are right now. 
that paints a pretty, like you said, harsh, it's harsh. It's sad. It makes me kind of like think like, okay, now I know why we have such a, a, you know, negative response when it comes to uh, the immigration issue. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging Clanging symbol. symbol. Uh, You were talking earlier about how we won't have as much individual impact on policy as we will our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And that's what kept coming up. And then you, you hear that quote of less than half of Christians see the arrival of immigrants as an opportunity to show them love. And it's like, are we just a bunch of clanging symbols in the American church? Like yeah. has, has that, is that what American Christianity has become? Right. Well, the problem is the, 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 the scripture you quoted though, Jonathan, to be fair, only applies to marriage. So, and weddings, like, so there you go. <laughs> That's no, it, it didn't have anything to do with the makeup of the church or anything like that. I mean, no, right. no, yeah, exactly. And I no, think no like, biggie. that's the piece is, I, you know, some of my favorite Christians to interact with uh, and like most aspirational people are the types of people that like, you know, whether you want to call them uh, a Pollyanna or constantly positive or, you know, whatever, but it's like something like this happens is like, well, you know what, there's nothing I can do about the policy. There's nothing I can do about this or that or the other. But what I know I can do is I know I can show them as an opportunity to love. They're actually excited about that, an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with somebody else. And it's like, I can get over all of the rhetoric that's happening in the media or politically, or w- whether you're on the right side of the aisle or the left side of the aisle, this is a, a living, breathing person that I can show love to. Yeah. I want to be more like that person. I'm not very good at it sometimes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I have another person inside of me that is, uh, that is just kind of, you know, a passive aggressive, uh, sarcastic jerk. So that person wins off uh, way often too much, way too often too much. Way too often too much. Yep. That'll be the, the subtitle of today. Way too often yep. too much. For the next little bit, we're going to f- keep it simple and, and focus on three basic ideas for how we think you should approach and we all should approach this crisis. And the first is that we have to recognize and remember that everyone is made in God's image. And because of that, we have to first look at the people trying to come to America, not as illegals, or anything negative or degrading. We cannot look at them as a bunch of illegals. We have to look at them as people who represent God, who are made in his image, and who are deserving of the same loving kindness that we have been given. Uh, Just a a quick interjection from uh, Theo bro. Uh, But technically, Jonathan, they are in here in our country illegally. So it is not unloving to refer to them as what they are, which is illegal. Your response. There's a difference in the way that Americans use their our lang- English language and the way that people in, say, England use the English language. When we describe someone who is an alcoholic here in America, we call them an alcoholic. In England, they say that person struggles with alcoholism. Here we might say that someone is depressed, as in that's who they are. In England, they would say that person is struggling with depression. And I think that subtlety is how I would respond to Theobro, because yes, the person from Honduras or Guatemala or Mexico or wherever it might be from, they might be here illegally, but they are not an illegal. 
That is not their identity. And I have to look at them as someone who is made in God's image and who is loved by him. And I am commanded to love first. They might be here illegally, but if I look at them as an illegal, that strips them of the humanity that God gave them and is not in line with how God views them. Yeah. And I think like for, for a lot of us, you know, again, Theo bro or anybody else or someone who's sitting there going, yeah, but they're, you know, they're in here illegally and they're an illegal blah, blah, blah. If you walk into church on Sunday and you either hear your pastor or you are the pastor saying like, you know, when the world calls you this, God sees you as this, or, you know, you are no longer this, you are this. And they're doing all those sorts of things or you're even reading um, the scripture of the woman caught in the act of adultery, not the adulterous woman, right? Not the insert derogatory terminology here, right? It is the woman who she is as a part of God's image caught in this thing, right? And if you are hearing that or seeing that, and at the same time, out of the same mouth is coming, well, we need to call them illegals or aliens or, uh, I mean, I got another couple of derogatory terminology that we could bring up later, but like that, that is hypocrisy. Forget theology. That is just straight up hypocrisy. And you can't do that. I was going to bring this up later, but I know audience retention dips. And so there's a lot of people <laughs> that wouldn't get to the end to hear this. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's maybe the most important thing I, I have to say today. And that like, when we say that everyone's made in God's image and that they represent our creator, that is a, I mean, it's, it's true, but that can be abstract at times. But what I want you to see is the people who are coming across the Southern border for the most part, I understand there are people with bad intentions who are trying to sneak through and cause harm. I fully acknowledge that I would be a hypocrite not to, but the large majority of the people who are coming to America are doing it because there is a dangerous situation in the country they're coming from and their government has made it unsafe for them to live where they are. I've, I've got friends who are missions pastors who have been at the border. I worked with a missions agency who sends missionaries into cartel controlled areas in um, Mexico and Central America. So I have talked to people who have been on the ground in these areas and all of them say that, what the people who are coming across are different than what the media is trying to tell us. Hmm. They have humanized this in a way that I didn't, I've never experienced firsthand, but I know the character of these people who are telling me this. And I understand that they've even said their politics have changed based on their personal interactions. Yep. So I tell you that because when we say that the people coming across are the image of God, Jesus himself was these people at one point in time. If we go back and look in the beginning of the New Testament, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were migrant refugees. Hmm. They were law-abiding citizens where they lived. They went to Bethlehem for the census so that they could be taxed properly. So they were law-abiding citizens in the, in the land that they lived. But when the government made it unsafe to stay where they were, Herod was actively killing boys that were Jesus's age to try and kill Jesus. They left for Egypt as refugees. So the people who are coming across the Southern border for the most part 
were law-abiding citizens in the country that they are coming from, but their government made it unsafe for them to stay where they were. And so now they're leaving for a new life in a place where they think they can be safe. And Jesus himself did that. So the things that we say about the migrants and the people who are trying to come here, even if they're coming here illegally because there wasn't this type of immigration policy in Jesus's time, those things would have applied to our savior as well. Mm -hmm. So if you would not say it about Jesus himself, you should not say it about the people who are coming across our border today. Yep. Yeah. So that's, uh, that brings up a quote that I put in our notes here from Andy Stanley. He said, the way that you treat people made in the image of God is a reflection of your true love for God. And so if we agree that everybody is made in the image of God, including these law abiding citizens who are coming into our country um, and including these maybe not law abiding citizens who are coming into our country, the way you treat the people made in the image of God is a reflection of your true love for God. And we've talked before of like at some point what ends up uh, and, and this is true for me too. So it's not like I'm like sitting on my high horse telling other people not to do this, but like my need and desire for my personal comfort or my status as a, as a citizen of the United States or my, my freedoms, you know, whatever. Um, a lot of times overshadows my duty as a Christian or uh, the, you know, the mandate I have from God or the view that I need to have of people made in the image of God. And that's not an easy tension. Haha. <laughs> you name of the podcast that's not an easy tension um to just fix and solve but it is something that if you're not wrestling with it every time you hear these things on the news go back to that that quote about you know just 12 percent cited the bible and more people the more christians are are taking what they hear from the media and letting that inform than anything else so if you're not hearing Someone stand up there and say, um, you know, these people are poisoning the blood of our country or these illegals or they're a bunch of bad people. And what, what was the quote, too? It's uh, it's like an invasion. It, if you're hearing this and you're not immediately trying to wrestle with that tension of saying, OK, these people, those people poisoning the blood, all of that, they are made in the Im image of God. They are image bearers of God. We are called to love them. It's an opportunity to show love, to serve others you know, to tell them about Christ. It's like, if you're not wrestling with that and instead you're immediately shaking your head and going, uh-huh, amen, preach, preacher. We need to close the border. We need to this and we need to that and, and kick them illegals out of here. Like that should tell you something about how you view God. And while I might disagree with you in places, you can have some of those policy issues but wrap them in compassion, empathy, and love. Right. You could say, hey, you did not come into this country the correct way, but we're not going to split your family up as we're you wait to- We're not going to put you in cages. Go back. We are not going to put you in cages. We are not going to, I mean, and this is on both sides of the political aisle, right? So we're not just saying it was a Republican issue or a Democrat issue because Republican presidents have done bad things to immigrants. Democrat presidents have done bad things or have not fixed bad things for immigrants. Um, Republican governors have loaded immigrants on buses and sent them halfway across the country. Like the, it's not just a red or blue thing. 
it is literally like it, if you do not look at this and go, hey, um, yeah, maybe they're here and they're not documented. Maybe they're here and they didn't enter the right way. You know, and we can talk all day long about how hard, hard it is to actually immigrate into this country legally. But, you know, it's like once they are here. If your reaction is, well, let's put them in a cage and we're okay. Let's split them up from their family and that's all right. Or let's use them as a political stunt, pack them on a bus and send them to Martha's Vineyard. You know, it's like none of that is in line with the way we are to treat other people, especially those that are made in the image of God, which is everybody. So like that needs to be a tension that comes in that no matter what, if your political affiliation says, well, I don't really agree with that governor from Texas that did that thing, but he's got an R next to his name. And, you know, ugh, I don't really agree with that president who did the thing, but he's got a D next to his name. So ugh, it's like, it doesn't matter. That is wrong. That is wrong. That is wrong. That is wrong. If we wouldn't want these things being done to our family members, we should not be advocating for them to be done to others. Because the Bible tells us to love the immigrant as we love ourselves. And that idea on the surface feels like it's solely from the great commandment in the New Testament, but it actually goes all the way back to Exodus where it's written, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. So back to the beginning of the Jewish faith of the Israeli Israelites of like this religion, when it first started, it was told to us to treat the immigrant and the sojourner who was native among us as we would love ourselves. Mm -hmm. So whether you believe someone from a foreign country should be here or not, we are commanded by scripture to love them as we would ourselves once they are here. And that is a really hard tension for us to, to live out. Because we might say, hey, you came across the wrong way. You did something wrong to get here. But now that they're here, like, it's pretty clear how Jesus says we should treat them. I don't know how that applies to citizenship. I don't know how that applies to getting a visa or um, amnesty from things. I, we can disagree with that. But when you start saying things like, the the illegal immigrant, if you can't see on YouTube, I'm putting yes, air quotes here. Air quotes. The illegal immigrant doesn't deserve safety services from our police or our fire departments because they're here illegally. Mm -hmm. That's completely out of line with what God tells us to do. Right. When someone is here, when they sojourn with us in our land, we are to do them no wrong. We are to treat them as native among us, and we shall love them as ourselves. Well, yeah, that Jonathan, changes things completely. But Theo bro, or, you know, whatever is coming in and saying, but like, okay, so then what's your answer? Is it just let everybody come into our borders? Okay. What is your answer? Then are we just supposed to like give everyone, you know, healthcare and give everyone this and allow everyone to have a driver's license. And if they took our job, we're just supposed to let that happen. If love doesn't cost you something, is it love? Oof. <laughs> oh, God, that hit me. Oh, Jonathan, you got me. Oof. Damn. I mean, I, I don't have the answers. I don't, I don't know the policy answers. 
I am not a politician. I have some thoughts and all mm. my thoughts probably have holes in them. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to love someone, it's going to cost me something. Right. And I would go back to what you said earlier. Well, I mean, you quoted the Bible, so that's different. <laughs> but it's like <laughs> what Jonathan said, quote Jonathan. Um, no, uh, that that rhetoric back to like, well, don't you just think, well, what about, well, what about all that sounds to me? And if you don't know, I'm, I'm a drummer. All that sounds to me is just symbol crash, symbol crash, symbol crash, symbol crash. I mean, it's like, well, what are we? And it's like, at, instead of getting the whataboutism or going to the extreme or using the uh, logical fallacy of the slippery slope, instead of doing that, can we talk and we say, okay, well, what does love require of me? And just like you said, like, it's going to cost something. And as a Christian, personally evaluate, is it my own need for protection, my own need for personal protection, and more importantly, comfort, is that taking over my mandate to love someone else and to do what love requires? And not just love someone else, but to love the sojourner. Yeah, literally. Like, love that It's pretty person. specific about who it is. Yeah. Like, we're, we're told to love that person as we would ourselves. And then if we take that one step further, Jesus tells us when we care for those in need, we're caring for him. So not only was Jesus the person we're talking about seeking a better life and safety because his government would not protect him anymore, was actively harming him. And not only are we told that to, to care for the sojourner the way we care for ourselves, but Jesus tells us when we care for those in need, we're caring for him. And something that's happened in our culture today is we've become more as things have become more politicized and tribalistic, the people we care for have become status symbols and identifiers of our chosen political party instead of loving people because Jesus tells us to. Yep. Somehow, we've gotten to the point where instead of simply caring for those who are in need, we've pitted these groups against each other and positioned caring for one over the other as more virtuous than caring for another group. And I'll give you an example that I think everyone will get. Is it more caring as a Christian to care for veterans in need or for them illegal aliens who've been coming here from Mexico? Uh. And so what's, what's happened in our culture is we've pitted one versus the other. Instead of saying, hey, no, our veterans deserve better. And our migrant sojourners deserve better as well. Right. We've said, Hey, no, you can't support one and support the other. You got to choose. Are you going to, are you going to love veterans or are you going to love them illegals? Yep. Are you going to care for X or are you going to care for Y? Because it, you can't do both. And it is a status symbol and a virtue signal based off of who you care for, which is which in group and tribe you want to be a part of. And that doesn't extend to just this, because I mean, think about the other rhetoric we've talked about before, where it's like, um, can we stand up for women's rights? Well, yeah, but what about men? It's like, oh, all right. Uh, how about people of color? You know, like uh, we need to elevate their voices and, and allow that. Yeah, but what about white people? We're taking away the like the whataboutism of of these arguments and the idea that that things are mutually exclusive, where it's like, well, I can only advocate for veterans rights. Or, or, you know, the treatment of veterans or uh, the treatment of people who are in our country 
um, undocumented or, you know, who came in through non-legal means. Like, that's not true. It's not true. You know, in the same way as there's this, when we've talked about abortion before, and it's like, well, are you pro-life or are you pro-birth? You know, pro that, but it's like, you can, there's a bit of where you can be both. You know what I mean? And like, if you're always going to the extremes and the whataboutisms and the mutual life is not the binary not choice that we have been told it is from the political media in our culture. Jesus didn't prioritize who we care for based on their nationality. He told us to care for those in need. So if you care for the veterans or the homeless, I, I think that's incredible. I love what you're doing, and I believe you're caring for Jesus by caring for those groups. But that care also has to be applied to immigrants who are here as well, whether it be legal or illegal. Whether they came here legally or illegally is, is where I was getting at. As Christians and corporately as the church of Jesus, we cannot show partiality to those in need based on these tribalistic identifiers. We can have disagreements on how much the government should do, but as Christians, we have to make sure that the way we approach these conversations is wrapped in care and love. And that care and that love will change how we discuss the governmental issues and the language we use. It should also change how we approach the policy issues so that they're wrapped in compassion as well and not in hatred or not in tribalistic language that promotes one group over the other because Jesus said to care for everyone. Yeah, and I think that's that's the key of what we've been talking about this, the, the, you know, basically since the beginning, no matter if we call this tension or not. Is like you need to be wrestling with these things. You need to step back and examine that. I would even say, like, make that a flag or a filter in your brain. That if you find yourself saying what about, if you find yourself going one way or the other, if you find yourself not not looking at the gray area in between the binary, first step, like, admit that that's a problem. Admit that that's a problem, even if you don't know how to solve it, and then. Like find people, resources, I mean, email us, can communicate with us on social media, whatever, to like step into getting more informed about these things. Cause I will tell you, um, you know, we quoted it, I think it was the last last episode, maybe the episode before that, but we quoted a, a book where um we talked about like humans are inherently good. Where we become evil and bad towards one another is when we use that goodness and focus it inwards towards our own tribe. Like you said, as soon as we get into tribalism and as soon as we get into who's on my team, that's when we start mistreating the other. And I can tell you living here in a border state in a majority minority area where white people are not the majority, it is different when you're able to see things from a different perspective. And you know, it's one thing I know people who are either in the country illegally or came into the country illegally uh, in their path towards becoming a citizen. It's like, once you know some of those people, now when you hear politicians and media members say things about those people in a negative and derogatory way, it hits differently because you're going, that's not, oh, they're talking about so-and-so. That's not what I see, you know? And so I think 
getting some perspective. It's why beef farmers don't name the cows. <laughs> there you go. Because yeah. once you start naming a, naming the cow and it becomes something more than just a means for food, it's a yep. lot harder to slaughter them. Yep. So get perspective, start actually stepping in and looking at stories of people who are in this quote unquote other group and not just seeing what's getting fed to you um, about the isolated negative side uh, of the issue as well. And Hey, if you do want to do some legit help, uh, I partnered with a, a place in Mexico called the Agape Migrant Shelter. I uh, built a website for them. And what they do is they provide shelter and legal care for people who are coming out of Mexico and Central America so that they can immigrate to the U.S. legally. So they're giving them food, shelter, water, hygiene. They're giving them medical help, legal support. They're teaching kids in, in school. And they're also giving them spiritual care as well as they wait to come into the country legally. So if you want to support something like that, head to Agape Hostel or excuse me, agapehostel.org. Uh, you can donate there uh, to help that there. They were incredible to work with and really opened my eyes to some of the stuff that's going on with the people who are coming across the border, that they're not what so many of the media stories are telling us today. So um hadn't planned on uh, promoting that, but if you want to help them out, that would be a huge thing. But that's it for this week's episode or this month's episode. Uh, next month, we're going to be back with another episode for you. We're going to get to the full season here soon. We're just not sure when. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us or have questions, you can reach out on social. Eric is at EricW712 on most of the platforms. I am at Jonathan underscore Corona on them as well. You can email any question or thought you have to us at hello at tensionpodcast.com. If you like the show, do us a favor and rate it and review it. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe on YouTube or your other podcast app. If you haven't already, share this episode with a friend if you think it might help them and might be interesting to them. But as always, thanks for making us a part of your day, and we'll talk to you again next month. Have a great week, everybody.